All right, if you've been along for the ride, uh, we're deep into this series, The End Commandments. If uh, this is new for you, uh, you can catch up on our YouTube page and would encourage you to do that. Um, but basically, we've been talking about what, what would it be like if we actually lived like the first Christians, the first Jesus followers? What, what if we actually lived like they did? Um, because they didn't have a Bible. They didn't have any New Testament. Uh, for the first 25 years after Jesus ascended to heaven, um, there, there, was, there wasn't anything. And Paul didn't actually start writing some of his epistles for 25 years, and then they didn't even really go into a lot of circulation for another 25 years. For, so for the first 40, 50 years of the church, there wasn't a whole lot to go on. It was just, we know a guy who rose from the dead, and we are following him, and Jesus said, you know what, I want you to go into all of the world, and I want you to teach these new disciples everything that I've commanded you to do. And so um, in this series, we've been talking about some of the things that Jesus commanded, which honestly, the disciples didn't even really take seriously because they're like, can you even do that? It didn't even seem possible to do that. They weren't like the commands or the rules that we tell our children. They're, they were like things that didn't seem possible. And, uh, and so they didn't really necessarily take it too seriously uh, on the front end until Jesus, you know, died and then rose again, and then when he died and rose again, the difference between the disciples on the front end and the, and the back end is extraordinary. In fact, the only explanation is that Jesus rose from the dead, because the transformation from them from the front end um, to the back end is just, it's just mind-boggling. There's really no other explanation uh, except the fact that they watched Jesus die and be crucified and then rise again from the dead. But um, Jesus, you know, on the front end, they, the disciples were full of fear. And Jesus, as much as he tried to teach them not to be full of fear, they were full of fear. And, uh, and Jesus had predicted that, you know what, he had claimed a lot of things about himself. He claimed that he was the son of God. He claimed that he was the son of man. He claimed that he was the resurrection and the life. He claimed that he was the Messiah. And then he died. And, and, and all of his disciples were like, game over. He's, he's not who he said he was. Uh, we had the wrong guy. Might as well go back to fishing. It, it's over. It's gone. It's done. And they scattered because they thought, you know what? They came after Jesus. They're coming after us. And our life is over. And so they, I mean, they went into hiding. They scattered. They were scared out of their minds. And then Jesus rose from the dead and punctuated everything that he said that he was. And, uh, and, and, and all of a sudden, the disciples, I mean, they went from being full of fear to being completely fearless. And today's topic, we're going to talk about worry not. Jesus said, worry not. Well, the, the disciples were full of worry on the front end after the resurrection. I mean, what is it that you have to be worried about when you're following a guy who has conquered death? Not a lot, right? And uh, it, it's so interesting, but... For us, we're like, worry not. Is that even possible? I mean, Jesus, that doesn't even seem reasonable. That seems a little bit ridiculous. I mean, can, can you actually, maybe if we say it in the King James, it's, it, it's better. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not worry. Nope, that doesn't help either, right? It's like, no matter how you say it, you're kind of like, can you even do that? 
I mean, do you feel what the disciples felt? It's kind of like, I, I, you know, is that, even, is that even possible? And yet, Jesus, in one of his earliest sermons, in his most popular sermon, and a sermon that we think he preached over and over and over again, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this, and Matthew records it for us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. So if you've got your paper Bibles, you can open it there. If you have uh, your Bible pulled up, your version Bible on your Bible app, you can follow along as well. Um, but Jesus says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. I don't want you to worry about everyday life. Life, Because Jesus knew something that I think we know, but we forget, and we forget pretty quickly. Um, but Jesus knew it, and, and, and he kind of teased it out in a series of questions, and, uh, and, and so some of these questions I think we know, but we forget. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to anyone's life? Well, Eric, nobody. I can't add an hour to anybody's life. I, I can't, I can't add an, a minute. I can't add a second to anyone's life by worrying. That, that doesn't add anything to anyone's life. Well, who of you, by worrying, has probably taken a year off of your life? Okay, all of the adults in the room have who have lived enough life. You're kind of like, yep, yep. Um, not even just a year, maybe a decade, Eric, maybe a, an entire decade. I have, I have worried a decade off of my life. Well, who of you, by worrying, is driving people in your life out of their minds? Now, don't cut your eyes, spouses. Don't cut your eyes at one another. No elbows, right? Because sometimes you live with a worry wart, right? It's kind of like, oh, man, I mean, if there's something to worry about, they're worrying about it, and, uh, and it just... And some of you, you're good at getting inside your minds, right? You get inside your minds, and I mean, look out. It's like, woo, it's, it's worry time. And, and, uh, and, and we know better. We just kind of forget. Who of you, by worrying, has upgraded your wardrobe or reduced your grocery bill? You're like, that's a strange one. Jesus actually addressed that question right there. You're kind of like, no. No, I haven't upgraded my wardrobe. Worry didn't do that for me, and worry is not paying my grocery bill. You know what? As, as much as I'd like to, if worry paid my grocery bill, I would be set, right? You're like, no, doesn't, doesn't do that. Who of you, by worrying, has added value to what you value most? Well, nothing. Yeah, worry, worry doesn't do it. So, it's no surprise that Jesus said, do not worry. Thou shalt not worry. And, and so many times, I, I think we as preachers were guilty of getting up and saying, okay, so here's what the Bible says, don't worry. Let's pray and go home. Go watch the Huskers, right? And you'll be worried to see if they win. Okay, so it's like, don't worry. Okay, that, that's nice preacher talk, good preacher talk. Good talk, Eric, preacher talk. That, that doesn't even seem feasible. Okay, God doesn't want me to worry. I know that. How? How? I need, I need some how. I, I, I need some processes. I need some help as to how to do that. And, and Jesus jumps in, and, and so we're going to kind of roll around in this passage, and Jesus kind of gives us uh, some help because 
I think understanding how worry works and the what of it and the why behind it and, uh, and, and then being able to separate that from some things that Jesus really wants us to know, I think knowing the background of how it works is so helpful in, in, in kind of combating against it or staying ahead of it. And so let's jump in, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will, now he's going to start going right and start teasing what's happening with worry. And so here's the what. The what is worry is always about the future. It might be this afternoon. It might be tonight. It might be tomorrow. It might be many tomorrows from now. But it is always about the future. Worry is always about the future. And, and so Jesus just goes right to the future. What will you eat or drink? Or about your body, what you will wear. And these aren't things that we might not necessarily worry about in our future, but I guarantee you, well, unless you're a teenager, you're worrying about what you're going to wear, but not in the same way they did in the first century, I assure you that, right? So um, we worry about other things, you know, the economy. Am I going to be able to retire? Is our nation going to go down the drain um, you know, it, 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 taking care of maybe your aging parents. Maybe it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about the security of my job. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about, you know, my schoolwork and, and, and the future of that and, and my career. I'm, I'm worried about family. I'm worried about relationships. I'm worried about getting married. I'm worried if I'm ever going to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I'm, I'm worried about all of those things. We, we have a plethora of things. It's 11 o'clock. I've been up for a long time. Plethora is, is I would not have done that at four. But anyway, we, we have a plethora of things to worry about, right? It's no shortage of things. It might not be the same as the first century, but we have plenty of things. It's not life. Now, Jesus, is, he, he has got an extraordinary thought. He's like, now, I want you to understand, and, and if you can begin to understand this, then you can start making progress in how worry works. Is not life more than food? Okay, well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, food has a lot to do with it, but I mean, yeah. yeah. He, Jesus is going to come down to, he wants to, uh, to be able to distinguish between what is truly life and what isn't truly life. And when we try to make what isn't truly life life, then it's going to come with some worry. And I want, he's like, I want to separate those two things from you. This is a huge thought. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Well, yeah, Eric, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, if I think about it and the purpose of life and, and, and the things that are most important in life, it, life is bigger than food and life is certainly bigger than clothes. So, I mean, although I need those things, that doesn't equal life. And Jesus wants to begin to help us to separate those two things. That is a huge thought. Isn't life bigger? This is what he's saying. Isn't life bigger than the things you worry about? Isn't life bigger than the things that you're worrying about? Well, as I think about life, Eric, yeah, yes. Yes, the things I'm worrying about, you know what? <clears throat> That doesn't equal really life. And then Jesus 
takes a hard right turn. Look at the birds of the air. Okay. <laughs> what does that have to do? Okay, talking about Jesus. What, what does that have to do with Jesus? What does that have to do? Jesus, what does that have to do with anything? What does that have to do with worry? And, I mean, no disrespect, Jesus, but really old people are the only people that have enough time to even sit and look at the birds. Okay, so we don't have time to sit around and look at the birds of the air. And yet Jesus' audience is outside. He's teaching them. And for all we know, there's birds coming across the sky. And he's like, hey, look at the birds of the air. Look at the birds of the air. And he's going to make a point. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. In other words, they have no concept of tomorrow. They don't plan for tomorrow. They can't plan for tomorrow. They're not even created to plan for tomorrow. They, they only know today. They don't even know there is a tomorrow. They're just living in today. And in some sense, kind of like, gosh, that would be nice, wouldn't it? And yet that's exactly what Jesus wants us to do in terms of trusting him. He's like, look at the birds of the air. They don't even have the ability to work or reap the the rewards of work. They don't have the ability to store away in barns. You and I, those of you watching online, you and I, we have the ability to work. We have the ability to reap the benefits of work. We have the ability to store away in barns. We have the ability to actually plan into the future. But it also comes with the capacity to worry about the future. And now Jesus is going to kind of start diving down into what the real issue of worry and what the core of it is all about. Even though the birds do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? And here's the core issue of worry. Where does your trust lie? See, the birds are just living for today. They, they don't even know about tomorrow. And, and, and we would be like all worried about, you know, where are we even going to stay tomorrow? What are we going to eat tomorrow? The birds don't even have that worry because their heavenly father is actually taking care of them. And how much more valuable are you who are made in the image of God, who have the ability to work and reap and store away in barns, and your heavenly father cares for you so much more than the birds of the air, and if he's taking care of them, how much more do you think you could trust him to take care of So he is driving down to the core of what worry is really all about. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life, he asks? Well, no, Jesus, I can't. Now he's going to go on to something else that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, but it's kind of like, well, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. And why do you worry about clothes? Because I'm a teenager. That's why. See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. In other words, here he goes again. Have you looked at the flowers of the field? Well, no, Jesus, I don't have time to do that either. 
But as I think about it, you know, flowers don't have the ability to work or, you know, have the, the, the reap of that work, the rewards of that work. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Solomon, who did extraordinary things and built extraordinarily beautiful things, um, it, Jesus is like, nah, so, the flowers, they, you know, so, whatever Solomon did, they don't even touch the flowers of the field. I mean, when they're in full bloom, oh, man. Now, the, you've been around me long enough. You know, I've, I've climbed a lot of mountains in my life, and you get up in some of those, you know, high mountain uh, uh, meadows, and I mean the flowers are just like oh, unbelievable, and and I've tried to take some pictures of them, and other people take pictures, and every time you look at it, and you're like, no, nah, no, nah, that doesn't even doesn't even come close. I mean, you just can't take it in. You can't take a picture and do it any justice. It's it's extraordinary. The flowers of those fields just just beautiful. God's dressed them. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, and tomorrow it's thrown into the fire, in other words, it's here today and it's gone tomorrow, if, if God cares that much about the flowers of the field, <laughs> will he not much more clothe you? Will he not that much more take care of your future, take care of the things that you're trying to worry about because really what we're doing with worry is we're taking tomorrow's trouble many times of what we have no control over whatsoever and we're taking tomorrow what we think could be a problem could be I don't know how to deal with it could be a a, a, a thing that I'm not sure what to do with or there's uncertainty about it and I'm going to take the emotion of that I'm going to pull it into today and allow it to wreck my emotions today that's what worry is. I'm borrowing tomorrow of the uncertainty of it, and I don't know how it's going to work out, and I don't know if, if it's going to work out, and I'm going to pull it into today, and I'm going to allow it to wreck me today. And Jesus is just saying, look, if your heavenly father, if your heavenly dad is willing to take care of the birds of the air and the flowers of the field... Do you not think that he is going to be in your tomorrow and meet you there? And you can trust him to be there. See, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow's thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And this phrase here doesn't come across very good in our, in our English, so Jesus is more than likely speaking in Aramaic. Matthew is recording it in Greek, and, and Matthew is kind of like, he's like, yeah, I don't know how to, how to say this in a way that reflects how Jesus said it, because how Jesus said it actually, you know, had a response to it. It was kind of a funny jab. It, it was a jab, but it was kind of a funny jab. And so Matthew puts two Greek words together that aren't found anywhere else in the Greek New Testament. Not only are they not found together in the uh, Greek New Testament, they're not found in any other Greek literature anywhere. This is the only time we ever find these two Greek words put together. And, and this is more how it comes across. 
to say, guys, you, you think about the, the, the flowers of the field and, and the, the lilies and, and the flowers and the, and the, 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 uh, the, other, the other what? The birds of the air, that's what it is. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, honey. That was very nice of you. <laughs> so the birds of the air, you think about those, and, and you don't think that God is going to take care of you? Oh, you little faithers, you. That's how, that's, the actual, that's how it comes across. It's like, come on, come on, come on. You're worrying about your kid's tuition. You're worrying about your retirement. You're worrying about if things are going to work out with so-and-so. You're worrying about your job. You're worrying about your security. You little faithers, you. Come on. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Or how we're going to take care of this, and how we're going to take care of that. How am I going to get through school? For the pagans run after all these things. And pagans isn't a derogatory term. That's just everyone that doesn't necessarily follow God and isn't serious, may not necessarily think there is a God, or if there is, not really following him and not paying attention. For the pagans run after all these things. In other words, that equals life. That, that's life, and so I'm going to run after those things. In fact, if I have enough of those things, and if I worry about it enough, and if I could have enough, then I wouldn't worry so much about it. But I never seem to get there. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Isn't that like 90% of the, of the, of the deal right there? See, if I just know that my heavenly father, my heavenly dad, he knows what it is I need. And that uncertainty, he knows about it. That's like, if I was just confident that God knows, that, that he cares for me on such a personal level, that my, my issues and the things that are in my future that are, that are un, uncertain to me about, and I'm not sure how to deal with it, and I'm not sure there's a problem, I'm not sure there's a solution to the things that I think might be a problem. If he just knows, that's like 90% of it. And Jesus is just saying, look, your heavenly Father, he knows. He knows about it. So what if you were absolutely confident that God knows exactly what it is you need. What if you were confident that God knows what it is you need? He goes on, for the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first. And this is kind of an interesting Greek, Greek deal going on here too. So the Greek term for run after is the same exact Greek word for seek first interchangeable, same, same Greek word, okay? So you could read it, for the pagans seek first all these things. And you could say, but run after. You know what? The pagans run after this, but your heavenly Father wants you as a Jesus follower to run after something completely different. So the, the, the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first, but seek first what? His kingdom and his righteousness. 
Put his kingdom first. Why? Because that is life. That's where life is found. So seek first, run after his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these, what are these? These are the things that we need that our heavenly father, our heavenly dad knows that we need, that we tend to worry about, that are out in the future, and we want to pull the uncertainty about it and bring it into today and allow it to wreck our emotions in in our today. Those are the things that Jesus says, look, I want you to seek the kingdom of God first, and all of those things that you tend to allow to wreck your emotions that you worry about, those things you can trust your heavenly Father to be given to you as well. So here's what I think Jesus is saying. When you're tempted to borrow from tomorrow, look for a way to participate in what God is doing today. And then Jesus is going to give us some help, and he kind of wants us to relabel what it is we worry about. So he says, therefore, do not worry about what is it for you? What is it for you online? What's it for you? What's it for you that you tends to wreck you, and it's kind of like, ah, that's the thing I always, always trust me up. What is it? Jesus wants you to relabel it, to just relabel that. Therefore, and just call it tomorrow. Because that's what it is. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Well, that test or that surgery, I got this surgery coming up and I, it's uncertain. No, that's just tomorrow. No, it's just, no, it's just, let's just call that tomorrow. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Isn't that the truth? Jesus knew that. In fact, Jesus promised there would be trouble, and each day brings plenty of its own. There's no need to stack trouble on top of trouble when, by taking tomorrow's worry and stacking it on top of today. Why smuggle tomorrow's trouble and bring it into today? So here's some questions for you. What if you and I actually believed this? What if we actually believed that our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Dad knows, and He's actually going to be, in fact, He already is in tomorrow waiting for us. That we could trust Him for today, and he, we can trust Him that He's going to be in our tomorrow. So I don't need to worry about it. He's going to be there. What if we actually believed it? <laughs> that make a big difference, wouldn't it? Why not believe that? Well, Eric, I got, I, I got some reasons why not. Because it's absurd. You're asking me to trust an invisible God I can't see and just give him my tomorrow. Okay, yeah, that, that seems absurd. Besides, I'm not sure it'll even work. In fact, I'm not sure God will come through. I, I don't, I, there's some things in my past that I'm not sure God came through with there, so I don't know that I can trust him for my future. So what if I got up here and I I preached a message and said, Crossing, all of you online, all of you in-house, here's what I want you to do. Put your trust in worry. Put your trust in worry. 
I mean, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 would sound a little different, wouldn't it? Trust and worry with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Lean on worry instead. In all your ways, acknowledge worry. And worry, will, it'll, it'll help you choose what path to take. You're just like, okay, Eric. Point well taken. That's absurd, right? That's absurd. I know that doesn't work. Worry never comes through. Worry never comes through. But that's the issue. And honestly, those are your two options. Aren't they? Those are your two options. You can trust in your heavenly father, your heavenly dad. You know what? Father, I, I know you're going to be there tomorrow, so I'm going to do what I know to do today. And this message does not, does not give you a license to say to be irresponsible. That's not it at all. Like if you're just like, oh man, Eric, I'm not going to worry about my test tomorrow. I'm just going to show up and expect, and I'm going to trust that Jesus is going to give me the answers to the test tomorrow, and I don't have to study today. That's going to be awesome. No. You are still responsible to do what you know to do and the things that you have control over, but there's so many things that you don't have any control over. So here's how it can look. It's like, I have a test tomorrow. Here's what I know to do. I'm going to study today. Are you worried about the test? No. Why? I'm studying about it. And you know what? Tomorrow, I know my Heavenly Father is going to be with me in that test, and I prepared, and so I know He's going to be there, so I'm not worried about it because He's going to meet me there tomorrow. And all of the things we have no control over, which is a lot, then I'm going to trust me that he's going to meet me there tomorrow to take me through it. So application, how, how does this work out? And hopefully these are some helpful practical steps that you can take. Begin your day with a daily declaration of dependence on God. This is actually a message that goes all the way back to Laramie, goes all the way back to Glendo, Wyoming, to a camp I went to when I was in high school. And this was a message, and this is a phrase that I have, that was taken over 30 years ago that has stayed with me for 30 years. Begin your day with a daily declaration of dependence on God. See, if you can get ahead of worry you can usually stay ahead of worry. But when you don't do that daily declaration of dependence and that daily surrender and, and, and declaring, I'm trusting you, then all of a sudden it sneaks up on you. And then you get behind worry. You get behind it, it starts kicking you. Those of you who are dealing with worry right now and you're in the middle of it, here's something that I think could be helpful for you. Open up your Bible and read Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34, and read it out loud so you can hear it. I think that could be super helpful. See, worry is like prayer in reverse. It makes things bigger than they actually are. Prayer actually makes things smaller. 
You, you ever, in fact, I know you have, you're kinda, you look in the fears and it just looks huge. I think about that a year ago in terms of what we have been able to accomplish as a church in this last year. And I think, I mean, all of the uncertainty of, of, the, of the COZAD campus and, and all of the things that we wanted to tackle and the uncertainty and the mountain just seems so high. And it's kind of like, you know what, we could have been all worried about it and worried about it and worried about it. Prayer makes things smaller. You ever, you ever had something that looked huge, and when you got there, you're like, well, this isn't actually as big of a deal as I was making it out to be. That's what prayer does. Number two, relabel your worry tomorrow. Well, see, no, it's, you know, it's my, re- no, that's tomorrow. Just call it what it is. That's tomorrow. Let tomorrow take care of itself. I'm trusting God for today, and I'm doing what I know to do to prepare for tomorrow where I know God already is, and I'm trusting that he will meet me there when I get there. Number three, when worried about tomorrow, look for a way to participate in what God is doing today. Seek first. Run after the kingdom of God. Worry should trigger kingdom thinking. And kingdom concern. When I start to worry, you write a note to someone. You start to worry, text someone. You start to worry, pray for someone. Participate in kingdom work. This is so extraordinary. See, essentially what God is saying is you worry about my kingdom and I'll worry about yours. You worry about my kingdom. Trust me. I can take care of yours. Crossing, what if we actually lived this way? Can you imagine what it would look like if every single person in this room and everyone watching online, can you imagine what it would look like in our marriages, in our families, in our parenting, in our schools, in our jobs, in our city? (laughs) Can you imagine what it would look like if we actually lived this way? I mean, it would be such a stark difference between the way that we're living and the way the world lives. So come on. Our Heavenly Father invites us to live worry-free. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for the invitation. Thank you that you are trustworthy. And Father, I know this is way easier to preach than it is to carry out. And Father, depending on what our temperament is, this is easier and harder. So God, I pray that you would help us to make progress. You would help us to implement practical things in our life that would, that would help us to make progress with this. Ultimately, God, I pray that you would free us from that weight of worry and what it does to our bodies, and what it does to our tones, and what it does to our relationships. So God, I ask for your help for each one of us. In Jesus' name.